0: of
1: Winning Ponies, bringing you news from around the nation, updated, taking a look back at what happened last week, also bringing in some of the country's top handicappers and persons of interest. Uh, This week, we're going to be talking with Ralph Sirocco. You know him from the radio show Race Day Las Vegas. Ralph's been a regular on here. I've known him for, shall I say, decades. Uh, Excellent handicapper and a fun guy to be around. So uh, Ralph uh, will be breaking down some races for us pretty much from coast to coast, uh, and we're even going to stop in the middle of the country. uh, Out his way from Del Mar, we'll be looking at the La Jolla, where it looks like they will be using the turf course at Del Mar. Then we'll make our way east and stop off at Ellis Park, For the Gardenia, that looks like a very uh, contentious race. And another contentious race from Monmouth Park will be the Monmouth Oaks that brings out uh, last year's Breeders' Cup winner, Rhea Antonio. She's been a lot of places with a lot of riders, I can tell you that. And then we'll finish up at the Spa with the Four Star Dave Handicap, a race that we were uh, hoping that uh, Wise Dan would be in, but... uh, Trainer Chuck Lopresti kind of taking his time with him, and he set his timetable back a little bit. I believe he won the four-star day the last two years in a row. And then um, prior to talking with Ralph, we're going to talk with Joe Nevels, who's been on the show before. Uh, he's been elevated to the breeding columnist with the Daily Racing Form. As you know, we've got a couple of sales already uh, out of the way, shall we say, often started in the, the sales season. The Fazig Tipton Mix Sale down in Lexington, and then we just had the Fazig Tipton Sale at Saratoga, where Joe got his first visit, broke his maiden at Saratoga, first time up there, so it'd be interesting in uh, getting his uh, views about the uh, track that I kind of grew up running around as a little kid. And then, of course, coming up, the uh, Keeneland September Sale, which pretty much admittedly is the is the granddaddy of them all. We'll also review some of the uh, top races that took place last week that we handicapped here on Winning Ponies, and I hope we gave you a slew of winners. All right, well, let's take a look now at some of the news of the week. Uh, again, big news on the West Coast was the turf course at Del Mar. Um, it looks like they're finally going to get back to using the course On Saturday, they had an extensive uh, aeration. Uh, It was watered to the equivalent of a quarter inch of rain on Tuesday to alleviate what is believed to be the firm conditions that have plagued the course uh, since the July 17th start of the meet. sad to say uh, four horses were euthanized as a result of injuries suffered on the course from the 17th through the 26th and another horse was seriously injured on the 31st that led to the temporary cancellation of the turf races. So no grass races were held for a period of six racing days and uh, it looks like it's going to uh, come back uh, soon. They feel that uh, it was a pretty more extensive than their usual aeration procedure. It kind of pitchforks into the ground and then fractures the soil and lets the moisture get in there. So um, it will be extensively watered before turf racing resumes. And one of the races, again, the La Jolla handicap that we're going to be looking at with Ralph uh, is a mile and a sixteenth on the turf. So uh, they will be back to turf racing. But when it does resume, the turf course is going to be used for an average of just two races per day through the September 3rd end of the meeting, and no turf sprints will be held. As you know, that kind of tears the course up a little bit more than uh, normal when the horses are kind of taking it easy, going a longer distance. And uh, no turf uh, sprints, in addition to that, uh, claimers can only run through optional claiming races, according to Tom Robbins, director of racing. Uh, ran into my good friend Tom Lamara here in Cincinnati last week. He was stopping by on his way back from the West Virginia Derby, and uh, he pointed out that none of the horses that had broken down were even claimers, so he's not sure why that claiming rule was put into effect. Uh, but nonetheless, that's the case, so there will be grass racing returning to Del Mar. Uh, they did have slight dips, in attendance and handle, and as we all know, people love to bet the turf races, and it may well have been uh, part of the reason uh, for uh, the decline. Now, uh, while we're out in California, good news, California Chrome's going to have his first breeze back tomorrow since finishing fourth in the June 7th Belmont Stakes Uh, He'd kind of been on hiatus after injuring his foot. As you know, we talked with his farrier and the farm owner telling us about uh, his kind of relaxation and letting the hoof grow out at Harris Farms. He returned to trainer Art Sherman's base at Los Alamitos uh, last month on the 17th, so uh, he... uh, on August 1st, he had kind of an unofficial blowout down the lane, went two furlongs in 26. so it looks like he's back on the toes. Now, his ultimate goal is to get into the Breeders' Cup Classic to be run at Santa Anita November 1st, and they're not sure where that start will be. It could be the Los Alamitos Mile on September 20th or a week later at in the Awesome Again stakes at Santa Anita. So we're not sure exactly where California Chrome will race next, but we're looking forward to his return. Horse, we do know where he will start next is Bayern. They have decided that he's going to start in the Travers stakes after his dominant win in the $1 million Haskell Invitational. Uh, It looks like he is going to go to the Travers. Uh, Bob Baffert said his decision after watching Bayern work a half mile in 48 and change over Delmar last week. He just loved the way he went. Uh, He came out of the race really, really well. Looks sharp. Looks like he's holding his weight. Uh, So instead of maybe turning him back uh, to the King's Bishop, it looks like he's going to go for the Midsummer Derby, the historic Travers Stakes. So um, Martin Garcia, who was aboard for the Haskell victory, will come in to ride Baird in the Travers. Uh, Looks like he might be... uh, facing a, clue, a field that will include a Tonalist, uh, the Jim Dandy, Winter Wicked Strong, the Dwyer winner, Kid Cruz, uh, Derby runner-up, Commanding Curve, and with the 1-2 finishers and the Curlin Stakes, VE Day in charge now. So it's going to be very interesting. Of course, the Midsummer Derby, the Travers, always draws a very solid field. Uh, he's going to bring a few others, probably along with him, to the East Coast. Fifty Shades of Hay, the winner of the Grade Two Ruffian Stakes back in May, Uh, will come back to run in the Grade One Personal Ensign. She uh, finished second in the Grade One Alabama last year um, at Saratoga, and Fed Biz, who just set a track record on the the West Coast, may run in the Forego. So uh, we know he'll he'll be going. Now uh, we spoke with Corey Johnson two weeks ago. Kentucky Downs is going to have several events to benefit the Jockey Fund. And uh, uh, jockeys like Pat Day, Lafitte Pincai, Eddie Maple, Chris McCarran, Randy Romero, uh, Edgar Prado, and Calvin Burrell will be at Kentucky Downs for Hall of Fame Day, and that's going to be September 10th with a golf tournament and VIP dinner autograph session, and it's all going to go to the PDJF. As you know, uh, Corey and Winning Ponies very much involved with that uh, charity event um, they're going to have other events uh, through the brief meet which is going to offer a million dollars a day if you want the autograph session um, with the uh, with the Hall of famers uh, that's going to be uh, on Wednesday September 10th so uh, they're, they're, something's going to be happening all the time live racings 135. And uh, Corey Johnson, pat on the back to you. Also, a pat on the back to Rick Capone, who just penned a book on old friends. Uh, he's uh, wrote a book on the retirement farm. It's called History of Old Friends, A Home for Retired Thoroughbreds. Uh, so Rick Capone, I've already put a shout-out to him. We hope to get him back on the show to tell us about the book. I know it's going to be great. Of course, uh, Michael Blowen's up at Saratoga right now uh, putting together some benefits up there for the great, great farm, old friends that has some great, great horses. So the book's 160 pages, has over 75 color black and white images, and not only by Capone, but my good friends Matt and Wendy Woolley of Equosports Photos. So uh, anyhow, you can uh, can, uh, get to that by going to www.oldsfriendequine.org if you want to get a copy of the book. Okay, let's take a look at some of the top races that we looked at last week. We said the West Virginia Derby was a three-horse race, and it was, and it was an exciting one. Rosie Napravnik was up there, West Virginia, at Mountaineer Park, got up by a nose with Tapiture, the Steve Asmussen trainee, Tappager just caught Candy Boy. I swear I thought Candy Boy won that photo, but beautiful ride by Rosie. Uh, Tappager, again, uh, gets the top spot over Candy Boy. And the horse that we said was the only other horse in the race, Vickers in Trouble, set all of the pace but fell a little bit short at the wire. And then out of Del Mar, well, thought this one was kind of an easy one, and so did the public. Even money favorite, Io tappa. Shifted out, did not have the lead, which we expected. Broken sword with Rafael Beirano upset all the place and at 5-1 fought back gamely but couldn't get it done. Iotapa gets the top spot over broken sword. Third was the sixth. Paranda. Okay, then up to the spa we go. Saratoga had some fantastic races. Uh, we'll start with the, the test up there, and uh, this is the horse I liked, and like Iotapa, so did everybody else. Sweet reason, but it wasn't easy. Sweet reason uh, stumbled at the start, was bumped in the stretch by Ored Ortiz, still got the job done, and so back-to-back grade one wins for sweet reason. Uh, trained by Leah Germati, slight favorite, one-by-one length, over the twelve horse, who was uh, misbehavior, who was taken back and finished willingly at 15 to 1. In the third spot, only making her third lifetime start, she was 2 for 2 coming into this race, was Little Alexis at 25 to 1. So that was a look at the grade 1 test stakes at Saratoga. And then, of course, we had the $1.5 million Whitney. Everybody thinking, just put a ring around Palace Malice and pick the horses underneath. That's not the way it went. In wire-to-wire fashion, it was Moreno. Getting the job done. You know, he ran second in the suburban, but had to break from the 11 hole that day, and that could have cost him a little bit. Moreno wins at odds of 10 to 1. Again, wire to wire fashion. In the second spot, the return horse, it's my lucky day, who had won three in a row, was sent away at 8 to 1, and will take charge. he didn't like the post. It didn't help him any. He ended up running in the third spot. Again, that was the Whitney handicap. So we're setting up for a very, very good handicap division this year, just as we are the three-year-old. It'll be interesting when we see when uh, California Chrome uh, makes his comeback out on the West Coast. Of course, again, only one start, and then he's going into the classic. So, have to look at what's happening on the racing scene now and what happened last week with our picks here on Winning Ponies. Don't forget to get your easy win figs. And uh, later on, again, we're going to be talking with Ralph Soracco. Uh, we're going to be taking races from Del Mar to Saratoga, a stop off at Ellis park. And should you be in the Ellis park area? I just want to mention there's a great photo. I think it's called field of dreams. Uh, the Cody photography, put it together and it's going to all benefit the permanently disabled, uh, uh, jockeys. And, uh, it's, it's all the jockeys at Ellis Park in a field. As you know, they have a soybean field in the middle of their infield there, uh, and the jockeys are going to be on hand. Uh, they're going to sign the poster, and all the benefits will go to the PGJF. It's a really cool looking poster. So, if you're lucky enough to, to be in uh, in Kentucky, make your way over to Ellis Park next Saturday and grab one of those unique posters. Again, the Jacks will sign it, and the PDJF will benefit from it. All right, that's coming up later. But coming up right now, Joe Nevels breaks his maiden by going to Saratoga. That's why right, We'll be joining Joe Nevels, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. <laughs> It's a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. Back goes O'Neal. He's up
2: shot. got it. With 2.8 seconds He's left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out
3: of here. From high school to the pros, we, we, cover we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports.
0: And they're off. What?
1: All right, and with me now, uh, a gentleman. I got to know when he was a young intern at the Thoroughbred Times a publication, which has since uh, gone the byway. But Joe, because of his talents and personality and his uh, writing ability, uh, was picked up by the Daily Racing Form. Kind of a dream come thr- true, uh, and he is now one of the breeding writers. In the segment that seems to be growing and growing with the daily racing form, uh, Mark Simon also, uh, shifted over there with Joe and brought him along with him. Uh, just an outstanding young man. I believe, uh, did finish in an Eclipse Award category for a great story he wrote on the, the search of a racehorse that was once in the family. And so now he has gone, uh, from the Michigan-bred claiming ranks to Saratoga, and we speak to him now from the Red Mile in Lexington, Kentucky at a far end of the grandstand. Am I correct so far, Joe? So far so good, John. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, doing great. Just looking out the press box over the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky right here myself. Well, I was very interested when he called you. I thank you so much for being on the show. I, I know this is really, uh, this uh, probably... Eight week period, your busiest part of the year. Uh, but what you told me something when I first called you, and that's that you had made your first trip to Saratoga. You gotta tell oh, yeah. me. I, I grew up running around that place, uh, eating ice cream Sundays. Uh, wh- what were your impressions? Give it to me from the, f- when you first walked into the place. Could you, could you just breathe in that sense of grandeur and history?
2: Well, to be honest with you I'm a cynic by nature so I approach everything with kind of a critical eye especially things that people go out of their way to tell me are very good things which a lot of people have done to Saratoga and I get it now I'm on board it's just <laughs> um you know it's it's very it's a very historic place but it's not in your face about it which I really enjoyed um you know they just do a very good job tracking all of the you know, notable people, horses, events that had gone on in the area without feeling too much like a, you know, a tourist trap town or just, you know, so ingrained in tradition that the common man doesn't belong there. It was just, it was a very laid back atmosphere and I enjoyed myself.
1: Yeah, I, I, I saw some different shots. You know, the Whitney was nationally broadcast, and it was neat to see um, the open-air grandstand where if you were lucky enough, we would always go sometimes on, on a waiting list, and somebody wouldn't show up, and you'd actually get to dine uh right there just past the finish line with, with the open-air grandstand. Um, mm-hmm. Then most of the time, with my family, we were, we were back in the paddock area uh, with coolers and a picnic table and uh, chicken mm-hmm. from Chicken Sadie's and uh, enjoying that aspect of it. So you could really go mm-hmm. from, uh, from a coat and Thai atmosphere uh, to, to a family picnic in, in a uh, space of about 50 yards. Yeah, and you mentioned the food. The food I had, I really enjoyed. They had a bunch
2: of food trucks lined up back. Went to a Mac and Cheese specialty one called the Mac Truck. Had the macaroni and cheese with hamburger mixed into it. It was fantastic. Any of our listeners at Saratoga, Mac Truck, hamburger, mac and cheese, you have the Joe Neville seal of approval on that one.
1: Now, I know you're on the Joe Neville's budget. Did you, did you get a chance to go to Ciro's at all? I did not. I was also on the Joe Neville's schedule, so usually
2: my uh, <laughs> dinner ended up being like a pizza by the slice or something that was
1: easily and readily available. <laughs> but New York pizza is very, very good. I know there's a lot of pretty cool watering holes around there. And how about, did you get to, to, to walk down the main part of town? And uh, it, it's almost like taking a step back in town, time minus the fashions of the ladies.
2: Yeah, it was really fascinating. You know, there was a, you know, it seemed like there was a violin player busking every about, you know, 20, 30 feet. So that was a pretty unique experience. And uh, you know, just so many little shops around the area and, You know, just a lot of music playing around. It was, you know, a very unique experience,
1: and you could tell that the town really knows how to, you know, present itself well when the race meet is in town. Yeah, it reminds me uh, kind of on a a similar level to Hot Springs when when Oak Lawn is racing. There's There's a very inviting but not pretentious. Uh, mm-hmm. air to it and um you know i, I suggest to, to people that and i have many many times uh odd nauseam probably on these airwaves that they really need to go to those two places to experience uh, racing and kind of a a tight-knit place where the town appreciates you being there they really do mm-hmm. um well let's let's move from there to uh let's rewind a little bit um phasing tipton um they were successful in having uh, a kind of a new-style auction, correct me if I'm wrong, last year, and they continued on to doing it this year, and it looks like the early results were good ones.
2: Are you talking about the Saratoga sale or the uh, Kentucky July sale? The Kentucky July sale. Ah, yes. Yeah, that went uh, very well. Uh, very consistent figures. Uh, gross and average were up 4 or 5% respectively. Uh, median was down a little bit, but only by $2,000. So, you know, 3% fairly negligible. But, uh, you know, just continued steady market growth. You know, it's, uh, the market is still finding its way back from, you know, the dregs of the 2008 to 2010 selling seasons. So, you know, even if it's a little bit, growth is definitely a good thing. Um, and it seemed like there was a lot of cross interest between the, uh, Traditional yearling sale and the addition that John was talking about, which was the horses of racing age portion, right. uh, that portion has really brought in a new clientele that has you know sort of cross pollinated with the yearling market, and both that, both times of it end up doing really well.
1: yeah, I mean uh, obviously what Joe's saying is people that are seeking action right now uh, you may you may see a horse that was down at the phasic Tipton sale a couple of weeks ago uh, show up in the entries tomorrow somewhere because they're they're fit and ready to run they it's not exactly a uh, a breeding stock sale for for those horses that are coming out of training exactly
2: and on the opposite end of that their entry deadline is like the day before the sale so if you get a horse with a hot update say you have one that wins a graded stakes the weekend before you can put it in the sale and all of a sudden people are buzzing about your horse and it might never be worth that much again so you can, you know, make yourself a nice little quick turnaround on a horse that just
1: won a big race for you. Absolutely. I, I think it was a very unique, and obviously I know that uh, Fasic-Tipton was uh, glad they did it, and obviously they wouldn't be repeating it again if, if they weren't happy with the outcome. Now, uh, the, uh, the, the recent Saratoga sale, uh, what can you tell us about that? Is there continued strength in the market?
2: Yeah, it's it actually the results looked a lot like the Kentucky July sale, very steady. Um 4% rise in gross, uh went up to $33 million this year. Uh average was down 1% to uh 291,000 and change, uh which, you know, practically steady. Uh median fell slightly to $237,000 and you know, that's you know again, fairly steady, nothing drastic, no major ebbs and flows uh What was really noticeable about the sale was the buyback rate, which is uh horses that don't meet their reserve and are kept by the sellers to perhaps go somewhere else uh it was nineteen percent, which was better than last year twenty one percent but the first session um the buyback rate was nine percent actually it was nine in like nine point nine percent a little under ten percent, which is Absolutely unheard of for a select sale, because people have their sights set so high that their expectations get a little higher than sometimes the buyers want to get, and they just buy their horse back, sell it on another sale. But this one, the first day, people were really good at sort of hitting that sweet spot between expectation and demand, and uh, people were really happy. It slowed down a little bit the second day, but still ended up, you know, 19% for a select a 19% buy rate for a select sale is very very good.
1: Well, it's great to hear. Now, my question is, you don't have a a crystal ball, but uh, because of what I'm hearing is the the positive news that's come out, and and we know that that there was that setback years ago with the the mare syndrome where so many foals were lost, Mm -hmm. are we beginning to see a a slight increase in people getting back in the breeding game? Are, Are there more horses that are coming onto the market
2: Yes, actually, um, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. This is a topic that I'm going to be um, exploring when we uh, preview the Keeneland September sale coming up. But the full the full crop is continuing to decline because you know fewer people are just breeding mares. But the, the, this year in particular, um, you know the catalogs have gotten bigger. Keeneland the Keeneland September sale added about two hundred or so horses. They're adding an extra day of selling this year to account for them. And everybody that I've talked to just said, you know, the sales have been going so well that they're starting to bring more horses to market that they might have kept a race before or might have, you know, just decided maybe you're just not going to be a racehorse. You know, these horses are coming back into the auction arena because, you know, folks are seeing that, hey, I can make a little bit of money with these
1: uh and and, that, and that's good for for everybody it, it, it's very encouraging well um i'm getting up against the clock but again uh coming up is uh is there anything new about the upcoming september sale i understand they tweaked it a little bit last year and they liked what they did uh with mm-hmm. the select books
2: yeah what they did last year was before they'd have one their book their first book of their sale would be a very boutique select catalog of maybe a hundred horses and that would be your, most of the horses that would command high six figures up to a million dollars and people complained that it scared off some of the kind of second tier buyers who wouldn't even look at those horses because they knew that that was the land of giants. What they've done now is they've taken the first four days taken I believe 800 horses that are all of, you know, select level or you know, select or below select level and made that their book one. So people have, uh, had the opportunity to look at more horses. They're in the sale ring when these horses are going through maybe they'll bid some more. And last year it appeared that they did. There was, you know, it makes for longer days, but people seem to generally like the change and the results prove that with the improved sale figures.
1: Well, I hope we get good weather because I plan on being down there and, uh, when I am, I'm sure I'm going to see Joe Neville go around there. I'll do my annual paparazzi shot of you somewhere with a catalog stuck under your arm. The tradition has to live. <laughs> All right. Well, the Daily Racing Forms breeding writer, Joe Nevels, uh, thanks for uh, spending time with us, and uh, good luck the rest of the night at the Red Mile. Thank you, sir. You have a good one yourself. All right. That was Joe Neville And coming up, another great racing personality. Uh, Ralph Siraco is going to join us. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
3: The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. Think the
0: I just just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy.
3: (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth.
4: We ain't playing around
3: here. Voice America Sports.
0: And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? Alright, with me right now,
1: well, from Race Day Las Vegas, broadcast on KSHP AM 1400 in Las Vegas and stream live through warpradio.com, Ralph Sirocco is with us. Uh, he's been actively involved in racing communications and programming. This is going to date him a little bit since 1977. Uh, Hollywood Park, Garden State Park, Fairplex, Turfway Park, and uh, he's been, been a a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Everything, even from a track announcer. So, uh, as you know, he's been on the show many times
4: before, and that's why I keep imposing on him because he's a great guest.
1: Ralph Sirocco, how you doing, my friend?
4: Well, uh, I can honestly tell you that I've been shoveling manure in one fashion or another all my life. <laughs> Physically and mentally, huh? <laughs> uh, physically, mentally, and uh, spewing it out in uh, in the vocabulary as well. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I mean,
1: uh, with some of the circuits I've had to cover, I've been known to polish a turd myself during the day. So uh, things are different here. I-, I hope you get back to Cincinnati. That's where I first met you when we used to work on the team uh, covering uh, back uh, what was then the Jim Beam Stakes. And, you know, oh. I, I, I was remiss to say uh, earlier in the show that uh, Vic Zass passed away, and, and oh. Vic was the marketing guy for Jim Beam that actually brought it into racing and brought it to uh, what so many people still refer to as the Jim Beam Stakes. And uh, you and I you, used to work together on the publicity team for that race.
4: Well, that was the halcyon years of that particular race, the spiral. I know that a lot of people listening in Cincinnati who are really older than us will tell us uh, might have a difference of opinion, but... You know, went from the Beam to a mattress company to gosh knows what else. But uh, those were the Halcyon days when Jim Beam had it. And I'm sorry to hear about that.
1: They were great back then. I think they also called it the Smiley Adams stakes because I think he won like uh, five of the first seven. So it was it was easy to kind of zone in on it. But the, those were great days. And I know I, I sent you a photo. There was there was nothing better than when when everything was over. I believe that shot I uh, sent you today. Jeff Picoro, who's in that shot, by the way is now a big-shot baseball guy here with the Cincinnati Reds. He's on Fox Sports now, so uh, at least one of us made it.
4: Yeah, please don't take this the wrong way. I don't want to get emails from people in Cincinnati, but uh, it's kind of hard to say the Reds are big-time baseball.
1: Ooh, ooh. You never know. They're only like three and a half out now. Anything can happen in a day.
4: Only kidding. (laughs) I still think, again, I really Again, honestly, if you're in
1: Cincinnati, his name is Ralph Sirocco. Yeah, I, I got Las Vegas, if you need uh, to vent on him.
4: I, 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 I still think in my heart that the first game, the first Major League Baseball game after spring training should be an afternoon game in Cincinnati, and, and, and not having it that way now because of TV and all that other stuff is sacrilegious.
1: It is, it is, especially when they have it in Japan or someplace, you know, or Australia. It's like, come on, guys. Well, one thing about baseball is tradition, and uh, that's something you should stick with is is the the red legs. But uh, uh, always had a great time uh, hanging with you and Richie, and like I said, Jeff, Now, in the photo I sent you, he had black hair and you had hair. Uh, You should see Jeff now. He's got a little bit of that uh, sometime gray thing working its way in. But
4: he's doing well, and I'm sure he'd send best wishes out to you. And back at him. He's a really uh, fun guy to work with.
1: Well. So were you. Tell me, what what are you doing these days? Um, I'm working off the bio you sent me like two years ago. Did I miss anything as far as uh, what's going on with Ralph Sirocco out in Vegas yeah. these days as far as appearances or shows or ways to get a hold of you?
4: Yeah, I still can't keep a job. <laughs> you know, I'm still fooling people with doing a radio show on the air, something I I'd, I'd do and, uh, you know, um, not get paid for. But uh, we're, we're living, you know, I'm, I'm getting into the retirement age. I'm kicking back a little and en- enjoying what I've always enjoyed all my life, which is horse racing and sports. And, and uh, golly gee, I find that in my retirement, I'm doing the same thing I did all my life.
1: Well, you know, let's face it. A lot of people say well, when you got a job in racing, you don't really go to work every day anyhow.
4: Yeah that's absolutely true and not only that but uh it's the only job that I know of that you go to the uh, you go to work each day and you have no idea what kind of cash you might be coming uh, home with
1: I know I know it 's great you not only get paid to be there but you may pay yourself while you 're there
4: yeah, well,
1: you're i I've picked a myriad of races uh today of course uh where 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 you live, you can go into so many places and there 's just screens plastered with uh, races from coast to coast and uh, it doesn 't really uh, handicapping's handicap uh, and uh, you may adjust for certain things, surfaces or um you know, trends that are going on a specific track, but I I, I call on you because I know you're a capper who's uh, got a lot of flexibility, so let me start you with a track that you're probably a little bit closer to right now. Um, my heart's in Saratoga, your heart may be in Delmar, I don't know, just because of our uh, physical uh, layout, but uh in the... In the the La Jolla handicap, it looks like they're finally going to get back on the grass. Uh, It was uh, terrible what what had happened out there, but uh, earlier in the show we mentioned a lot of the things that they've been working on, the grass course there to to fix it up for this weekend, and they're going to moderate how many races they have. Um, But the the, the La Jolla handicap, uh, is this going to be a, a... Rematch of, of the Oceanside uh, between Enterprising or Argo Cat or is there a fly in the ointment like uh, Tonito M, some just kind of mystery horse that there's really most of these horses kind of like to rate and come off a little bit. And that horse, if he goes back to his Puerto Rico form, uh, might try to steal this thing.
4: Well, I had Tenido M uh, at uh, Saratoga when he raced there, and he got a horrendous trip. And the Woody Stevens, of course, uh, Baron ran off the screen that day. And I also bet him back in the Los Alamitos Derby, and he was. I mean, he's he's running the two buzzsaws with Baron and Shared uh, Belief, and I think that he fits well, uh, you know, on uh, Saturday when they run the La Jolla. But I I think that I'm I'm going with a horse called School uh, of Hard Rocks. I think that this uh, Rock Hard Ten offspring. Uh, didn't uh, get the best of trips in the American Derby, a grade three at Arlington Park. Uh, he won, uh, you know, a race that he needed to win before that. I don't think uh, that, uh, you know, these are world beaters here. There's no shared beliefs in this field, certainly, and and no uh, barons are going to run off the screen. So I'm going to take a school of hard rocks on this one.
1: Very interesting. Now, when I handicap, I, I get the... The PP's from the form so far out, there's, there's no odds there. Do you have odds in front of you for School of Hard Rocks? I think no. he's got to be a bit of a price.
4: No, I don't, and uh, if he is, that's fine with me. He's gone to the uh, post, the favorite, in his last three races, which he, uh, finished, he won one of those three races. So uh, maybe they'll jump off him a little bit, but I'm going right back to School of Hard Rocks. I think uh, Mark, Martin Garcia will get him a nice trip. He said, uh, continues to have bullet workouts since his last race in Chicago, and uh, you know uh, Tenido M and Enterprising will round out my exotics in that one.
1: Well, I'll have to say, uh, I really like uh, Enterprising in here. I mean, the the horse has shown his whole career that he can rate and make a nice move through the stretch. I don't know what happened early in the Oceanside, but uh, he was shuffled back in the eleven horse field. He he was eleventh after six furlongs, and Mike Smith put in a beautiful ride deputizing for Gary Stevens and just got up by a neck. Did that take too much out of the colt? I don't know. But let me tell you, that was an eye-popping victory
4: for sure. Yeah, it was. It was a very uh, visual race, and uh, Mike Smith, uh, you know, we call him Big Money Mike in this part of the world. Tom Proctor, uh, you know, and Mike Smith, along with Tom Proctor and Gary Stevens, Tom Proctor's been having a hell of a meeting there. Uh, That's for sure. He's he's betting 11% at the meet, 21% overall this year. But that was a restricted race, and I think that Enterprising is going to find that he cannot at least come from that far out of it and try to tag these type of horses.
1: Well, my guess is he didn't want to be that far out of it. Well, let's move uh, to the P-patch. Uh, at Ellis Park, where they're going to have a great PDJF fundraiser with the uh, Cody photographer photo of the jockeys growing out of the soybean field in the in the infield. They're going to have an autograph session before it. Uh, this is a race that just seems wide, wide open to me, Ralph, and I've got to lean on you for a horse that that, that, that you like. I, I
4: mean, they're, they're kind of very evenly matched. Well, I'm going to take a guy from your part of the world, Bale Roman's horse, Molly Morgan. She's going to draw the rail. You know, that's that odd configuration, uh, the one mile at uh, Ellis Park where they actually start in a straightaway as, as like they're running away from you, and then they hit uh, a half of the uh, turn, and then, uh, and then they go down the stretch and then the full turn to the wire. Uh, I think that uh, Molly Morgan is going to sit a trip from the inside under Jesus Castan and get the job done. She's been running against a lot better uh, caliber of horses and two Grade Twos and uh, uh, two Grade Ones and a Grade Two in her last three races. She won the Grade Two, the the Florida Lee at Churchill Downs. So I, I give her the edge in this one. And uh, to tell you the truth, uh, I got uh, my runner up as the horse that's going to draw right next to her, Frivolous, with uh, Miguel Mena, who knows how to ride that track again. Another one has been running in graded stakes races have finished a nice third in a grade three at Arlington Park, uh, excuse me, a nice second in a grade three at Arlington Park a couple of uh, races ago. Don't know what happened in the last race except that she was steadied early, three and four wide on the turns, did not have, uh, well, almost a trip from hell in the modesty with the Victor Espinoza board. But I think Frivolous is going to also draft in there with uh, Molly Morgan. So I see Molly Morgan with... um, Frivolous, and uh, my long shot in this race is going to be a horse called Interest Free.
1: Well, all I can say is, again, uh, talking uh, about uh, Frivolous, uh, you want to talk about the, the, the trip from hell. I mean, it's a 14-horse field. This horse finished 11th and was beaten less than four lengths. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of finish was that? That's unbelievable.
4: Kind of like a chorus line here and on the uh, stage in Vegas. There you go. They were all
1: kicking in in unison. So again, yeah, uh, Molly Morgan, Dale Romans, uh uh Cory Lannery's headed east but uh certainly having Jesus casting on up won't hurt. Uh he's riding at a twenty three percent clip down there and you mentioned Miguel Mania. Uh he he's winning one out of four races. So, uh Ralph Sirocco, uh, you you certainly came up with two horses that uh I think can come to the top and I think a race that's gonna give you a, a lot of value. Uh in here again that is the grade three Gardenia down at Ellis Park well we're talking with Ralph Soracco from Las Vegas and my producers telling me we're going to take a little bit of a break here so we'll do that and when we come back we're going to look at the Monmouth Oaks and the four-star Dave handicap you're listening to winning ponies <laughs> Is a beauty. There's a fly ball deep right field. thought goes O'Neal. He's to shot. got it. With 2.8 seconds He's left to left. I don't care where
2: they put him. This one is out of
3: here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports.
0: And they're off. What? All right, and with me one of my favorite guests, Ralph Sirocco. Ralph,
1: we're going to go to uh the Jersey Shore, Monmouth Park. Now, um you've got great some great pipes. I know during your career you've been a race caller. Uh, didn't you call on the East Coast for a while?
4: Yeah, I was the uh, first announcer of the New Garden State Park in 1985. And um you know what happened there was billed as the track of the 21st century, never made the 21st century. <laughs> uh, they really miscalculated uh, the mathematics uh, and the arithmetic to the thing, and uh, they just uh, drowned in red ink. And I uh, I saw my first uh, snowstorm since I was a little kid back east, and I got home one day and told my wife, pack the bags as soon as uh, the winter's over. We're moving back to the West Coast, and we did.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, the Jersey Shore... Great place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there.
4: In the the summertime, the Jersey Shore is a great place, Uh, but uh, you don't live there just for summers, just like you don't live here just for summers. I mean, you know, when it's 110, people say, how can you stand it? Well, it's not 110 all year long.
1: (laughs) Again, we're talking with uh, Ralph Sirocco from Race Day Las Vegas. Well, let's bring you back to that uh, Jersey Shore area. Uh, Monmouth Park has a pretty contentious race here. Um, interesting. There's a couple of horses in here that are no strangers to themselves. It could be uh, a rematch of the Delaware Oaks, where the, the uh, horses that ran second, third, and fourth are going to be in the Monmouth Oaks, or... Strangely enough, the Iowa Oaks, that brings us back the top two finishers in uh, Ria Antonio and the ever-improving size. I did re- watch the races that night, and it was just a quagmire. So I don't know how much the, the sloppy track uh, played into that. Uh, Ria Antonio uh, is uh, owned by uh, quite a character out, out of Cleveland, and uh, I'm not sure how much management he does. But right now it looks like Jake Radosovich is going to ride this horse. This will be the eighth different jockey that's been on this horse who started his career in Canada, went out to Santa Anita, as you know, got bumped up in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. Then he wanted to take on boys uh, in the Derby, decided to go in the Oaks, put in a couple flat races. But actually, her effort in the Iowa Oaks wasn't too bad. In the meantime, size, and I'm only saying this because I really concentrated on this race more than the Delaware Oaks, um, from the Bill Map Barn, you know he doesn't press them. He lets these horses run into their own ability, and uh, it was pretty impressive. Uh, this horse's buyers just keep better, getting better and better and better. So uh, from Belmont Park to Prairie Meadows, uh, size is uh, maybe grown into her size. And then you've got... Uh, Philly in here like Rhea antonio that was actually nominated the triple crown to, to run against the boys in joint return it's a it's a real mixed bag i know larry jones is real high on this lightly race cassat uh i don't know how much you you know about this race or have had a chance to look at it but uh enlighten me with uh, ralph sirocco's view of this
4: uh kind of mixed bag well since you're In Ohio, uh, you're diplomatic in saying the individual that comes from that area and his management style of Rhea Antonia, but, man, I'm telling you, it's all screwed up. I mean, you know, you talk about this horse having the eighth different jockey. This horse, this filly will run uh, in her eighth different racetrack out of nine starts, Uh, and uh, when she started to get good... She went to Santa Anita. She won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies upon a disqualification. She was in the right place at the right time that day, and then all of a sudden they thought they had a world-beater there and never, in my opinion, did justice to her after that, switching jockeys, switching trainers, switching racetracks, wanting to go against boys instead of the girls. If Rhea Antonia hasn't got a screwed-up mind by now, she never will. She had a nice second. (laughs) the size last time in Prairie Meadows in the slop, and I feel for this filly because I think she's she has some sense of quality but I think they've been putting her in the deep end of the pool without, you know, a life raft
1: for a <laughs> while,
4: and I don't know what to make of her except that uh, I wish Tom Amos all the luck in the world uh, of keeping this filly with the goofy people, humans that surround her um, but now when you go back and you talk about size, I saw that race too uh, I think that size has improved with every start. She is trained by Bill Mott, who ain't going anywhere just to get a free box seat. Uh, she won in the slop at Prairie Meadows. You know, you can you can sit there say, to say, outside of Rhea Antonia, she might have uh, faced uh, really not much in the race, but she did what she had to do, and she won like she had to win. She's uh, by first Samurai, and I can see her to continue to improve. She's got nice workouts since that race. And she goes into uh, the Monmouth Oak with a short van ride, and I think she's going to hit this one right between eyes. I think she's going to get her black type uh, in the Monmouth uh, Oaks. Rhea Antonia, I think she'll give a good account of herself. And if there's a uh, long shot in the race, I like a horse called Aqua Ricia, who uh, was uh, manhandled and was in another zip code behind Untappable, and Untappable's uh, 20-length win in the Mother Goose. There's no untappables in this race, and I think she'll perform well. I think she'll go back to maybe uh, one of those nice allowance or, or uh, races that she had in her maiden as well. I think she's back in the, with a field that she can be effective in, and she'll round out my exotics. But I've got to tell you, now that you mentioned Cassette, uh Larry Jones is one person you got to pay attention to. Her buyers aren't that great, but if he likes her, it's okay by me.
1: Yeah, well, I did read a column in the Daily Racing Forum today, and he's not a guy to really, you know, blow his horn about horses, and he seems to be uh, very high on this daughter of Tappet, and you know how hot he is right now, and certainly he can get a horse that can go a mile and a 16th, Uh, and uh, how many times have you seen horses, you know, uh, jump out of sprint races and be able to get the mile and a 16th, and... um, this is the kind of horse that could go from flag fall to that's
4: all. I, I, I just don't know, but fact, again, with Larry uh, Jones,
1: I, he, I agree can't him throw him it in out. Fact, uh,
4: uh, uh, I do agree that uh, I'm looking for fresh faces in here. Size has had four races. Uh, Cassett's had three. So, yeah, I'm looking for fresh faces in this race.
1: And, again, uh, a handicap without odds, and you could you could probably get some good odds on, on any one of these because uh, I think some action has to go to joint return. If you want to talk about a, a consistent horse, a nine lifetime starts, five victories, is one just short of $300,000, and I believe has uh, three stakes wins under her belt. She's very well-traveled, too. So, uh, again, a filly they thought enough to nominate to the Triple Crown. She's she's worth a look. So uh, Ralph uh, is putting us on size, giving us a long shot. Aqua Regina scratching his head about Rhea Antonio and Cassatt could be a factor. I think uh, between those four, if you're going to bet them, you've got to box them, you might end up with, with a price in there. Uh, where I'm not sure you're going to end up with, with, with a price, and this is one of those things that you're going to have to say, well, let's try to beat them. When you go to the four-star, Dave handicap, obviously, uh Wise Dan, uh, on the shelf right now, um, Silver Max looks so strong in here, Ralph. Can you, can you argue with me?
4: Oh, absolutely. Silver Max got a dream trip in winning that uh, firecracker at Churchill Downs. Nobody pressed him. He went out there, he cleared, he held sway, and it was all over with. That was it, case closed. He ain't got to get that trip in, in Saratoga. No way. Look, you got, uh, you got uh, Sayad. Sayad. That is coming off a high buyer. Everybody thinks he might bounce, but he's coming off a high buyer. He went gate-to-wire in the uh, uh, forbidden, uh, 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 what is it? Uh, I can't read that thing.
1: I'm not sure, but they're telling me I only got 30 seconds. All right, left well, anyhow, Sayad
4: uh, you know, is a horse that I think is improving. And, uh, and my, my, uh, to, to keep it short and sweet, I like Sayad, Seek Again, and Grand Arch in that order. You can throw Silver Max as far as I'm concerned.
1: All right, Ralph Sirocco giving us some prices from Race Day Las Vegas. Ralph, thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. I appreciate it, and
4: I I love your delivery. I love your style, and I love you, brother. Thanks a lot, my man, and say uh, hi to all of our friends out there, and uh, have a great race day.
1: All right, I will. All right. That was Ralph Sirocco. We had Joe Nevels on with us. He had another great show. I want to thank everybody, our producer, Michael. From looking across the turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, remember, bet with your head, not over
0: it.